1: Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This
2: podcast is brought to you in part by Sovereign Sportsman Solutions. As conservation officers, we know just how important technology is in this day and age. S3 is a cutting-edge and trusted vendor that provides state agencies with licensing, mobile, CRM, marketing, Law enforcement and event management solutions all in one place. They are dedicated to benefiting the resource. So, check out the link in the show notes to sign up for their newsletter and get the industry insights, news, and content that can keep you up to date on the tech that helps drive conservation into the future. A Game Warden's children's book, titled A Cowboy in the Woods, is a story of Bobby, a boy who spends the whole summer observing wildlife, writing notes in his notebook fishing with his dad, and keeping track of all the animals in his neighborhood, while trying to solve a neighborhood mystery. What he discovers is more than just an appreciation for the natural world. The idea for this book came from Wayne Saunders' own childhood experiences, growing up and exploring the woods and streams and lakes and ponds of his native New Hampshire. The love of nature instilled in his childhood led him to a career as a conservation officer. Wayne Saunders is a retired lieutenant conservation officer from the New Hampshire Fish and Game Department. Lindsay Webb is a naturalist, wildlife biologist, and environmental educator. Together they collaborated with wildlife artist Ashley Mares to produce The Cowboy in the Woods, the story of a boy whose love of nature leads him in unexpected directions. Available at wardenswatch.com and Amazon. Warden's Watch podcast is now on Patreon, combining the Thin Green Line podcast and the Warden's Watch Podcast on Patreon to bring member-exclusive extra content, both video, audio, and with product deals as well. Become a member to support our podcast and get something extra. Search Warden's Watch Podcast on Patreon. We love our children. We protect them. We guide them. We prepare them for life in the world. With all that we do, from deep in our hearts, we cannot control all things. is warden's watch warden's watch episode 74 the ellis's and this is a, a first for warden's watch john it's a father and son team of game wardens which it's so cool when you have a history but to be on at the same time is pretty epic we don't hear about that do, do you know of any
3: other cases i've never had a situation we have a. Uh one of our legendary lieutenants, Kathy Pontine, and my partner for a lot of years on some projects. Her daughter is now a game warden and in cannabis enforcement and a canine handler, but they
0: didn't serve at the same time. And I've known of some others on the West coast and uh, up in the Northwest, but never that have served during the same career period. So this is a great
3: story. Mm -hmm. And uh, how cool would it be to be able to, you know, uh-huh. Sounding one of the things off your dad, you know, your mentor that probably brought you into it. And now you're that
1: younger game warden. And, you know, he's a little more seasoned, whether he's a commander level or, you know, he's still in the field, you know, at the line staff level being a district warden. Uh, this is a unique situation. And these stories were were fantastic.
2: Yeah. and. You know, he doesn't start off wanting to be a game one actually kind of tries to avoid it. But I think your inner self comes back to you, of what you what you really want to do. And that, that that's a story that comes out. And they say that, I guess, in South Carolina, there is actually another father and son duo that are serving now uh, at the same time, which, again, you know, to find one. Now, now there's two in South Carolina. That's, it's, it's just a, a really interesting uh, interview. Episode 74, Warden's Watch. Remember uh, you know, that, that Apple podcast five-star rating? We have a 4.9. You could put us back to the five. So uh, if you want to reach out there and do something for us, I, I really appreciate uh, you guys. And I know John does uh, giving us a good rating if you think it's a good show, and that's sharing it with other people. Share it with people of like minds uh, that you know will like this podcast. Hey, in this episode of Warden's Swatch I have the privilege of hanging out with the Ellis' father and son team from South Carolina. So that's, that's great. Lee and Hunter Ellis, which... Uh, I met Lee long before. This is my first time meeting Hunter, actually, and we've been to several oh, international wildlife. We've been going to these, yeah. these conferences together
1: now. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I, I met the rest of the family, but you're the last one to, I to
3: know. be met. Someone had to stay back and take care of the animals. That's, so. that's
2: right. <laughs> and the reason this is cool is because they're both game wardens, a father and son duo which is kind of unique. Maybe, you know, Warden's Fall in the legacy, but usually not in the same time frame. Trying to think of other, and you guys have another group in South Carolina that does the same thing.
1: We've got another captain. I'm a captain and admin. He's a captain over a field region. Uh, His son actually works the county I I live in, uh, and Hunter works the adjacent (laughs) county, so they've kind of ran together. And uh, it's, it's, believe it or not, it's not that unusual for South Carolina. We've had... I think we're the fourth or fifth father-son game warden team that was served actively at the same time, so it's it's pretty neat. I yeah, think we're the best looking in oh, my definitely opinion. definitely the best yeah, looking. <laughs>
3: so.
2: I'm not there to judge, man. I'm not there to judge. But I, I think it's cool because I know my son's not going to follow in my footsteps. But
1: Well, I said that too, Wayne. You did. <laughs> I did. He did. We, we went every direction there was. Uh, you know, physical therapist, all the stuff he was in school for teaching, and he called me one day and he goes, "Look, I'm I, I've always wanted to be a game warden, and I'm going to be a game warden. So, you know, what do you do then?" So I said, "Well, come on, this is what you need to do."
3: It's kind of one of those things, you know. It was a realization. You know, I went into physical therapy, thought it was cool, got into it, and I was like. Mm, I, being a game warden is what I really wanted to do. How far Got into did it
2: teaching? did you get before it changed? Ah, I think, what? Two years. <laughs> two year. years? Well, <laughs> it, let's
1: so bring it up to speed. So, two years, he's in a physical therapy degree. Yeah. Then he calls me and says, Dad, uh, oh, no. you know, I love history, so I think I'm going to do education <laughs> to become a history teacher and maybe coach ball. I said, Okay. <sighs> so, he did that for about a year. And then uh, we had openings coming up, and he was just turning 21 and he was eligible. And he's like, Hey, um, I've always wanted to be a game warden, I've told you that, <laughs> and uh, if I change my major to this, I can graduate in December, and y'all are hiring in February, so he did that, and uh, went through the process, and actually worked for the college for a while as an admissions officer, and got hired on the next go-round, and uh, what are you, about three and a half years in, two and a uh, half years in now? I've come up to a three year, th- my third year now. So,
3: I mean, honestly, But you ended up getting a degree. Yeah. So, oh, I yeah. do have a degree. I actually have a um, history degree, um, kind of specialized mostly in South Carolina history, but I do pretty much all of it. Um, but also started taking some education classes. So, technically, I could go teach high school history, but I was like, mm, Gay is more of my route. That's what I want to do. So, I do have a degree. <laughs> that is one thing. He said, you better get a degree no matter what you do. Well, you went so. through
2: that process. So, <laughs> I, I, just tell me how that went with you, because that's just. Uh, <sighs> Yeah, physical therapist, history teacher, yeah.
3: So, growing up, you know, I played baseball and all, I played sports, and about my junior year of high school, I was a pitcher, pitcher. Yeah. and I tore up my arm, had to get Tommy John surgery where they take a tendon out of your leg, put it in your arm, and basically, I had to do six months of rehab, and Mm -hmm. working with the physical therapist, I loved it, fell in love with it, you know, you still got to work one-on-one with people. What was her name? I don't remember actually, guy. Yeah, (laughs) okay. (laughs) Hey man, there were some days I really didn't want to go because I was like, I know he's gonna beat me up. Yeah, that's the only woman that's ever made me cry is my (laughs) physical therapist. Mm -hmm. It's called about
2: breaking what uh, scar tissue down. She was calling it, and oh man, I my eyes would water, and I'm like, man. Yeah, he'd go to drop me
3: off and be like, you ready? I'm like, nah, can I go home with you? No, you need to get out there. So I went through that, fell in love with it. I said, you know what, they make good money. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay. But in the back of my head, I'm like, you know, growing up, being a game warden's kid, everyone said they want to be the game warden. Yeah. Looking at the job, you get the cool truck, you get the Mm -hmm. boat, you do all that. And, you know, everyone else did their own thing. for me, I was like, I really don't want to do that, but I want to see what else is going on. But for something... Some reason I kept coming back. I don't know if it's in my blood or what, but I went through the physical therapist, got into it, I was like, I don't really like this. You know, let's 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 try something different. Biology's hard. I'm gonna be the yeah. first one to tell you, biology gets hard <laughs> as yeah. you get into college. So I started doing a little bit of the schooling, stuff like that, teaching. I did some clinicals, taught in some of the high schools here in the upstate. I went to Lander University in Greenwood, South Carolina. So I'm originally from the coast and I fell in love with it, but you know, seeing that green uniform, I don't know what it's about it. Something about being green jeans just said, yeah. I need to go do it. Yeah, and you, you saw it all the way growing up,
2: so it kind of <laughs> kind of flowed into it. You knew exactly what you were getting into, and oh, you yeah. knew what he was exactly getting into.
1: Well, and and I warned him. I said, you know, because at the time, I was the captain over the training section, so when they get <laughs> hired, they're under training for yeah. about six months, and it was like, you know, you're going to take a, a tail whipping over this because mm-hmm. you know, the captain – above you's dad and I said, yeah. you know, I'm not dad at work. But I I'll say this the probably one of the biggest privileges I've had being a game warden was pinning that badge on mm. his chest in the same room that I got pinned twenty years prior. So it was just it was it was a weird situation yeah. but it was the honor to do it and not many people can say that. And I have the opportunity and the honor every now and then to go get in a boat with him on a holiday weekend or go out on a patrol with him. And there's not a lot of dads that can say, hey, I, I work with my kid doing something we both love. So, yeah, you know, a lot of people, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, you know, it's hard to become one. And I, I tell them, just persevere. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I went through our hiring process for nine and a half years, interviewing with the colonel, getting to the last groups. And I said, you know, just hang in there. And I tell them that every one of them that come, you know, gets a little disheartened. Suggest- you were in the process for nine... You weren't trying to get hired for nine and a half yeah, years. nine and a half years. Really? I was really? working as a local police officer. Um, wow. At the time, we, our turnover rate is still so small even currently. How long did it take you, Hunter? It took me two years to get on, oh, even yeah. with, you know... <laughs> even <laughs> with <laughs> <gravity> <laughs> being on. But, uh, when I went through my interview, they said,
3: hey, your dad did nine. Are you willing to do 10? I said, I'll do 11 if we need to. Wow. <laughs> I said, I prefer not to. But, that, you know, that's some tenacity. We though. were
1: only hiring two, sometimes mm. three officers a year. So, and we do statewide hiring. So it used to be at one time there had to be an opening in the county that you lived in when I first started in this process of trying to get on with DNR. And so if there was no opening in the county you resided in, you couldn't even test or do anything.
2: Oh my goodness. That limits it. Oh doesn't yeah. It?
1: So then it went to statewide hiring. So then you'd have, like the, I think the first year I went through the process there was four positions statewide, and there was probably 4,300 people yep. who went through this process. And it was just like, I had almost given up. And uh, I got the call, and they're like, hey, you know, we're going to offer your position. Background investigator showed up and went through everything. And mm-hmm. it, was, it, was, it was one of those few times at that time that, you know, you kind of tear up when you get that letter because it's just mm. been a dream. You know, when I I was a senior in high school and then they have a, we produce a magazine called South Carolina Wildlife Magazine and it was the 75th anniversary of our wildlife law enforcement division. And it had a whole, whole magazine of just stories. And and I'll say it now and it's terrible, but I was sitting in the high school library reading this thing and I got so intrigued and deep in and I've hunted and fished all my life. So I knew who the game warden was. Uh I have had dealings with them, never got a ticket Um, that we know of. That I'll admit to. <laughs> never got um, caught. <laughs> yeah. Never got caught. <laughs> best game board best outlaw. But uh, <laughs> I was so caught up in it, the bell rang, it's time to go to another class. So I just kind of tucked the magazine in my back pocket and, took it <laughs> no. and stole it from the library and finished <laughs> reading it. And, and I told my dad, then it was like, I think it was 88 or 87, I said, I'm going to be a game board And he's like, of course, he hunted and fished his whole life down in mm-hmm. Florida here in South Carolina. And he's like, you're never going to be a game warden because it was just – I mean, you had to mm. know the right people. It, it, all the stars had to align. And uh, the year I got hired, we had, did the largest hire class we've ever done. It was 38 officers hired. Oh, my the goodness. They had just passed a new boating safety bill that funded like 30 mm-hmm. officers, and I got picked up in that group. Nice. I uh, worked coastal marine enforcement. At that time, we had nine districts. Eight of those were upland game and fish districts, and District Nine was marine patrol mm-hmm. so we dealt with you know recreational commercial fisheries, boating enforcement, and a little bit of waterfowl, not a whole lot, about two years of that, and then we merged down to four regions, and then you pretty much did it all. That was our saying on the coast as we do it all. so we were doing recreational enforcement, commercial enforcement, all the hunting fell into our lap then so it it was a it's been a fun ride. I can tell you that
2: lee, can you just like Kind of talk about South Carolina and then South Carolina game wardens. And then I'll give you your your question, Hunter, so you can think about this. I want some history because you're the history teacher. So <laughs> maybe we can get a little South Carolina yeah. game warden type history in here. But uh, just tell us how South Carolina is kind of framed up uh, your responsibilities, uh, whether they're a little different than another state or. Uh, I know Hunter's told me some stories that were similar to our stories and that we didn't have uh, Motor Vehicle Authority when I started in New Hampshire. When I ended New Hampshire, we had Motor Vehicle Authority. Probably due to some of the situations mm. Hunter's, you know, talked to me today
1: about. So, and we'll probably get into some of these stories because my listeners love stories. Oh, yeah. They just uh, love game <clears throat> world stories. Well, I'll, I'll steal some of Hunter's thunder because some of this he doesn't know and I do on the history side. So he knows uh, a little bit more than I do. Does he? Day, so. I, oh, I figured yeah. the
2: history teacher well, would know oh, the history.
3: Yeah. Well, he's he's my history, you know, oh, teacher. Oh, boy. Yeah. It's all all right. <laughs> too, so it's just,
1: but I got a business degree. Okay. Uh, you so, see where I rubbed off. We started out as the Sacramento wildlife department. And mm-hmm. The chief game warden was named, I think it was 1905. And wow. he was the wildlife department. And over the years it was chief a. a Richardson. And over the years he said, you know, we need some science to go behind these laws. And at that time they got a percentage of their license sales. So you actually bought your hunting license from the game warden and they also got a percentage of the tickets they wrote, which is probably not looked too favorably now there. So we don't do that. Um, (laughs) but long story short, he felt like we needed some science to go behind the enforcement actions we were doing. So he hired the first biologist, uh, James Webb, and then that kind of rolled. And as they slowly, they took over like the oyster enforcement for coastal fisheries, and we turned into the South Carolina Wildlife and Marine Resources Department. And in 1994, uh, they did a big restructure in South Carolina. They moved it to the Department of Natural Resources. And they took Wildlife and Marine Resources and some other different smaller agencies and combined into one. And we've been that since 94. Mm. And uh, But we, we do it all. We've, we're a Class 1 state officer. Uh, We go through, in South Carolina, we're one of, I think, two states that have a a singular police academy. Mm -hmm. So every officer in the state of South Carolina, from the one-man department to the 900 troopers we have, go through the South Carolina Criminal Justice Academy, the same same academy. And we
2: do in New Hampshire, too, which I think
1: adds a lot of brotherhood, a lot of
2: networking early on mm-hmm. and i i think it helps tremendously oh, yeah. when you know <laughs> sheriffs local police state police highway patrol all wrapped into that one academy because you bond as brothers and you don't think of as another entity you think yep. of
1: all as one unit which i think oh, lends uh yeah. i mean it's and, and as you know uh, being a game warden you know a lot of times your backup is your local police mm-hmm. officer or your sheriff's deputy or your state troopers on patrol because we've you know, we've got counties that have eight officers in them, but we also yeah. have counties that have two, Um, you know, and we're their backup a lot of times, the smaller agencies. Right. They're calling our dispatch to send our officers to back them up on domestics and whatever they need. We, we do do it all. We actually have full state authority. We've got two federal commissions. Uh, so we I, – I laugh at people. I said we can lock you up for not having a fishing license <laughs> or we can lock you up for murder. You know, it just depends mm-hmm. what we run across. Of course, that's not our primary mission, and we right. kind of – Try to stay to that. Mm -hmm. It's it's a great job. It's a unique job. You know, a lot of people say, "Well, you got the greatest authority of anybody," and it's we do have a lot of different. You know, you throw in the the federal commissioning because we've got two hundred twenty five miles of coastline. We go out three, you know, over three miles of state water, and then it goes out to another two hundred miles, two hundred twenty five miles of federal jurisdiction. Uh, So it's you know, from the mountains to the sea here, we're Mm the foothills of the Appalachians. So you'll see guys that get hired, and they're starting out in saltwater, and several years later they're working trout streams in the upstate in the mountains. So it's a it's a unique environment to work in. I will say
3: you you made a good point when I was early on getting hired. You said the game warden is Swiss Army knife of law enforcement, mm-hmm. and it's a true statement. It is. Um, as I've gotten into the field, you know, the Sheriff's Department of us because we got the specialized training. You know, we have the equipment that's needed, and we kind of think outside the box. I mean, you know that as being a mm-hmm. game warden. You don't. We're law enforcement. But we do it in a different way. It's our own way. So I I always kind of taking that to heart. And like you said, being in the academy, that camaraderie. Yeah. But in our academy, game wardens, we all go in as one class. So
1: we're not spread out. They do a different, uh, what is it,
3: one class every three, two weeks?
1: Yeah, the the way the academy is set up now, so they start a new class of law enforcement officers every two weeks. About seventy officers in a class. So wow. When we hired, you know, I think his class was 20, 18, or twenty. Yeah, about twenty. We sent them all at that time at one time, so you'd have a whole class of game so wardens. One mixed third in of the class yeah. is game wardens. Uh, that has since changed. They they yeah. went to a new process now. So uh-huh. uh, we actually teach a thirteen week wildlife basic training academy, mm-hmm. and once they complete that, then they start the police academy for the state academy certification after that so it's a pretty long training process for us you know they go for 12 weeks to the police academy and then 13 weeks with us wow then they start FTO training and unlike your traditional law enforcement, you know, and you know, this, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here. Yeah. But but preach, preach to the listeners. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you you don't get to see that same shoplifter every week. And then you're good at dealing with shoplifters or domestics Mm -hmm. or whatever. You know, you have an opening season, Uh, deer season opens and it runs whatever the length it is. And here we go, August 15th to January one. That's a good Once That's open and closed. You've only completed one season, but then we have doves come in, so you've got to be trained on that. Waterfowl, turkey, you know, alligator season, shrimp baiting season, you know, fishing season of South Carolina is year-round. Shrimp Boating baiting, season. huh? Yep. It's a, That's you got more, commercial more, and
3: recreation, so.
2: You we're going to have those. to talk about shrimp baiting because <laughs> I'm telling you, I don't know nothing about shrimp baiting. Oh, it's,
1: it's, it's a unique, uh, unique way that we do it down here. Uh, in mean, uh, North Carolina, they use shrimp traps. So it looks like a crab trap, but they use it to, to catch shrimp in. Down here, we take fish meal and mix it with clay and turn it into big bait balls.
2: Uh-huh. And
1: you get a recreational shrimp baiting license. Can't do that commercially. We have shrimp trawling and other things. And they, they license you for 10 poles. And they take 10 PVC pipe poles, and they go out about 100 yards. They space them out. And they make big old balls about the size of a small watermelon, and they drop them by each pole. Well, that clay binds with that fish meal, and as it slowly breaks up, all the shrimp come in to eat the fish meal, and they cast net over the top of it. Okay. So you're allowed to catch 48 quarts of shrimp a day with heads-on during that 60-day season. Wow. So it's a, it's a pretty hefty fine during that time, though. You know, as, as, as in South Carolina, all your seafood product has to go through a licensed wholesale dealer. So, so even get, when they're fishing recreationally? Well, no. So that's a recreational-only season, okay. but, you know, you can catch 48 quarts of shrimp every day. Mm. You know, you get the little signs put up in the break room at work or in the lunchroom, and, you know, if you want shrimp, call Jimmy. Mm. And uh, If we catch you selling those shrimp that were caught recreationally over bait, it's $10,000 fine. We How seize also, all the shrimp. And we so. seize everything, boat, truck. <laughs> whatever's involved with that. That, and that happens quite a bit, so, doesn't it? Uh, not as much as it used yeah. to, because it used to be like $500. Okay, so it was, so worth, it was worth the, worth the, the know, effort. It was worth the squeeze on that one. If when you it, when it hit 10000
2: that hurt, huh? Yeah. A couple that, of those, and people were like, yeah, don't do that anymore. I lost my car, <laughs> my truck, my yeah, house. Exactly. Um, Usually going home to a wife with a $10,000 ticket isn't nice. No! <laughs> I've written a lot less, and wives haven't been happy. Never mind. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, but, it's
1: you know, we've got a... a, a long history here of course being one of the first 13 colonies and starting early on in law enforcement for wildlife enforcement which they were audubon officers back then so it's it's a good tradition you know law enforcement as a whole is a a tradition audubon officers yeah believe it or not that's what some of the first game wardens in south carolina were were commissioned by the audubon society really the original ones were audubon officers they were paid by the audubon society Huh. So that's when they established the Sacramento Wildlife Department. They became true game wardens in 1905.
2: So as an so Audubon officer, did they tell them not to shoot
1: any bird, or just only shoot it, so many songbirds, or I think it was—I I don't know the complete history there—but it had a lot to do with waterfowl and the plumage sale. You know that that commercialization yeah. back
2: then. That's interestingly because uh, that's the first time I've ever heard of an Audubon officer. Yeah. So that's 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 pretty unique. I have to do a little more research and dig it into that, because uh, every time I think of Audubon, like a lot of people, it's just bird watching.
1: Yep. Oh yeah. But and bird protection, I'm sure, rolls in there at some point. Oh, yeah. But you know. It, it, and here we are in 2021, and we're talking about used traditionally hunting and fishing and angling mm-hmm. and you know trappers and whatnot. And now in 2021, we're we're trying to work with our non-consumptive user groups. You know, mm. naturist hikers, um, Audubon. mountain bike, yep. Audubon folks, yeah, because it's all about preserving nature. Mm-hmm. It's all about preserving that natural resource, whether Absolutely. you are a consumer of it, where you're hunting and fishing, or whether you're just a non-consumptive user where you like to watch birds. Um, right. You know, we're all in it for the for the goal of protecting that resource, so. mm-hmm. and maybe educating some of those
2: that don't understand hunting and why oh, we do it and that definitely. that type of thing. Because those that like to see nature, <laughs> like we exactly. all do sometimes don't understand the, the management there of oh, yeah. it. So if we can make those bridges, I think that's uh, vital to, to everything. I
3: think that's more funny. nowadays it's, it's a little more educating because you know I grew up as a game-worn son, but a lot of kids and you know young adults my age, they didn't really grow up hunting and fishing like I had the advantage to. And I'm running into people my age that are having kids, they want to get them into hunting and fishing. They've mm. never done it. So we get the opportunity to teach them that. So I think maybe not as much as... I don't know, back when you were in the field, educating as we are now as enforcement as well. So it kind of goes hand-in-hand, I, mean, I think. You know, our, our
1: programs have developed from hunter education to take one, make one, mm-hmm. you know, where, where folks come in and say, hey, you know, my, my child wants interested in getting into fishing or hunting, and we're doing the fishing rodeos where we're giving the tackle to them, we're giving them the fishing rods, we're stocking ponds for them, uh, the take one, make one hunts that we take them on, you know. It's they're mentored by a game warden while they get into the hunting act. Then they can move on to having a volunteer mentor, take them for a year of introducing them to different species and different seasons. So it's, it's, it's truly is a lot of education. And even our enforcement's education, you mm-hmm. know, for the most part, we're, you know, we're enforcing recreation mm-hmm. for the most part. Right. You know, there's definitely commercialization and mm-hmm. the bad guy poacher. Right. Uh, but you know, I'd say 80 to 90% of our true contacts are recreational settings right so you know we have a different attitude when we do that type of enforcement so we're a little easier to deal with in my opinion we treat Mm -hmm. people in a different manner Uh, but you know i look at this way when i give them the ticket or a warning or just a verbal i'm educating them through this whole thing it's not just about writing the ticket and getting a fine or getting jail time or whatever the case may be or suspending a privilege they're learning and the bad guy who's doing it purposely that's when you're doing the enforcement,
2: absolutely. In my opinion, mm-hmm. no, I couldn't agree with you more. And that education is, is is so vital. And the take one, make one. That's interesting. So the first contact they have with the take one, make one is with the game warden.
1: Yep they uh, they're, they're whether it's a a parent or someone they sign up to become part of that program. Yeah, uh, we do hunts. We do uh, like say fishing, small game hunts, big game hunts, turkey hunts. Wow! Uh, and uh, like I I used to volunteer when I was a field mm-hmm. officer and, mm-hmm. and they bring these kids in from, uh, you know, military magnet type schools or whatever. And, uh, you know, you take a kid and get in the deer stand and, you know, we've got guns that have been donated and, and you sit with them in that deer stand and, and teach them about, you know, I had one, the first one I ever did, young lady was sitting in a stand and she's like, so when did they release the deer? <laughs> and I'm like, what? And she's like, when when did the deer come out when did they release the deer and i said there's nobody releasing deer out here i said you know you got to be quiet and let's watch you know we got to you know and down here we can bait so we had bait piles set up mm-hmm. and and it's like you know but she literally thought that you unlock the gate and here come the deer so yeah
2: yeah, yeah no i think that's that's great having that first contact with with a game ward a you break down that you know, that police, when they see that police thing, that, that barrier that automatically builds between no matter who it is, whether it's fear or whatever, by breaking it with a, a good, you know, hello, how you doing, you know, it, it's a nice contact. And, and now you're, you're teaching those at a young age. I think that, that's pretty stellar in a day and age where we can't really get to all our hunter safety courses anymore. And they're watching a video of a game warden rather than having that contact. Because that contact is priceless
3: for information, for education, um i actually got a cool little story about that you know and it comes back to educating on youtube i actually had a um so i get a call from uh my dispatch for so i work in berkeley county south carolina we get a call from the sheriff's department hey you got to tell us where that is by so berkeley county south carolina is right there on the coast just above charleston uh, so okay. charleston's a big hub for us i'm right there on the coast but I don't touch the coast, if that makes sense. Um, so I work a little bit of salt water, a little bit of fresh water, but I got a lot of um, private and public land. Mm-hmm. So I actually have the France Mary National Forest. Um, this is actually where this occurred at. And I had a gentleman call me and he said, hey, there's been a car sitting at this road all day. Um, and it's deer season and all, and it's a Sunday. Well, we don't allow Sunday hunting on in the National Forest on WMAs. So I said, okay, we'll come take a look at it. So we get there. We're checking it out. We run the tag, different stuff like that. Well, they come from out of town. They're not from around here. It's kind of a car you wouldn't normally see out there. You know, you used to pick up trucks. This is a mm-hmm. car. Mm-hmm. kind out of out of, it's not the same. So we're kind of checking it out. I'm sitting there and I start hearing gunshots way off in the distance. So I'm like, okay. So I call some extra officers come and we start looking and well, we finally get in contact with the one who owns the car. Well, it's the gentleman's grandmother. So she's like, well, I don't know where he's at. He's been watching YouTube. They wanted to go learn how to hunt. I'm like, has he ever been out here? She's like, no. I'm like, can we get in contact with him? He had his phone off. So we're, at this point, we don't know where he's at. We don't know what supplies he has. It's starting to get dark. He's been watching YouTube, trying to learn how to hunt. He wanted to go learn how to hunt. So Luckily, we were able to get contact with him. We brought some canines. We were able to track, and we found him in the middle of a swamp. They said, thank y'all for finding us. We started shooting the guns to try to help. Hopefully, someone could find us. Oh, man. And rather than, you know... Taking this opportunity to write loads of citations, hunting out of season, you know, hunting on a WMA, we saw this as an opportunity to educate. I mean, these are three young guys. They'd never been hunting a day in their life. We could have, you know, hit them with every fine and made it to where they would never want to hunt or fish again. And I saw it as, as an opportunity to educate more than anything because something bad could happen. You know, mm-hmm. these, these, they they had more beef jerky than than they had water. Put it that way. He said, "Well, this guy said to take beef jerky." I was like, well, "Do you got any water? Well, I got one little bottle of water." Yeah. And I said, "How long did you plan on staying out here? Three days?" I was like, "That would not work, man." Uh, so, but luckily, it, it turned out okay. But you know, it goes back to educating. You know, mm. education is a big key to what we do. And I saw it as a great opportunity to teach someone about something that I grew up and am passionate about. You know, I get to do it every day. Now you get to teach it. So. Mm. It's just one of those things, you know, education needs to be there. And if they're trying to get it through other means and it's not the correct way, learn a good hunter safety, being prepared, stuff like that, something bad can really happen.
2: And there's so much of that going on right now, mm-hmm. Hunter, is people want to know so much about hunting. And, you know, I think the pandemic put everybody into mm-hmm. survival type mode. And, you know, hey, if I don't know how to feed myself, if, if it hits the fan, what am I going to do? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, which I guess is a good thing for
1: us. I mean, you guys have seen license sales increase, correct? We did. Uh, during the pandemic, we saw boat sales increase. We saw a lot mm-hmm. more people out. Of course, there was nothing else to do but get outdoors because you had to be you know, right. social distance. Uh, so, yeah, we saw our boat sales increase. We saw license sales increase. We they had hunting licenses, more. right, Hunter? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, they, he he they had, had that far down. He that's, had his license and yeah. everything like that. YouTube <laughs> so. told him he needed a license. <laughs> that's you that's, that's tell good. Him, hey, you've got to have a little water <laughs> with you and don't go for three days your first time. But he yeah. saw beef jerky <clears throat>
3: hunting license and I'm good to go. So right. That's all he saw. Are,
2: are you guys doing anything to to mentor that type of person that's searching for that, that information?
1: Uh, well, we, we do a lot of, you know, of course, everybody does online stuff now. Yeah. We still have our in-person hunter education courses that we offer on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. Um, we, and, and nothing we beats do. that in exactly. person. Nothing. Uh, we've got a good system in South Carolina. They can take hunter and boater education in their school as part of their PE, mm-hmm. their physical education. Uh, it may not be a game warden teaching it. It may be a physical education teacher teaching it, but they're a volunteer instructor that we train and teaching that. So, you know, I think the, the Internet's great. You know, everybody loves technology, but I definitely agree with you, Wayne, that mm. that one-on-one conversation, because you, you can't talk to the video. Right. You can't question that video where you can mm. have that instructor up there who can answer some of those questions. And maybe somebody would have said, hey, big guy, one bottle of water is not going to get work for you for three days. You right. Know? <laughs> right. So, yeah, that's a, you know, we, we can't rely on just that technological no. side of it. We've got to go back to the in-person human being sitting there. Mm-hmm answering questions telling stories yes you know i mean that's how i learned about hunting my grandparents my uncles Mm. my dad my dad's friends the older gentlemen that you know we hunted with on our hunting camps and our hunting clubs telling the stories you know that's Mm. that's history
2: yeah you must have a game warden story for us, Lee, because uh, Hunter's oh. got one now. So you, you, <laughs> it's you, your you, turn, you, man. It's I your turn. The for sure.
1: Well, and, and and mine's not a an educational story. I'll throw this one out there. <laughs> <laughs> because you know it is a very unique. What I always tell everybody is a non traditional law enforcement role. The hard part with this job is it's so darn much fun. Mm. You don't want to go home, you know. So you'll work twenty, <laughs> you know, twenty hours out of twenty four and be right back up to do it again. But mm-hmm. you know, uh, we we did, we. That day, I went from you know we were patrolling the national forest because I used to work Berkeley County as an officer in the field. So you have your old dad's old patrol. He actually <laughs> has. This is a fun, here's an even better Game Ward story. Better Game Ward so story. So in 2001, I got a boat, brand new, first new boat I ever got. He comes on, goes to my old county. He now has that boat <laughs> issued to him. Oh, my goodness. That still cool in use. <laughs> got a new motor on it, but the same hull, same still in use. And I'm like, he's like, I want a new boat. I'm like, you be quiet. You, that's the greatest <laughs> that's boat that ever. That's a good boat. That's <laughs> the best <laughs> boat out there. The was reason great I boat. say that, you know, as a kid, you made me wash that boat way too much. So I've uh, had, you know. A new boat, you got to wash Oh, you know. Honestly, I, you know, getting back to my story on it. Is, <laughs> so, you know, we worked deer hunting in the National forest nuisance animal call we crawl under a house and get a a, a raccoon out um you know get a call go work i think we went to lunch or went to dinner at that point uh went up to a sanctuary area hid in the bushes glassing these guys that are fishing over the sanctuary line end up arresting four or five people for that actually had to put cuffs on these not just a citation uh, because they were so i mean egregiously in violation transport them to the jail finally clear the jail at like 2 3 in the morning we go home yeah you know, we stop off at the huddle house which is similar to a waffle house i don't think they have them in new hampshire no
2: we don't we don't have that we don't so, have a waffle
1: houses so oh, no. no
2: waffle houses no waffle houses
1: no <sighs> so we we grab a little quick breakfast go home take a shower and we're back at the bond hearing, you know, the next, you know, within hours. So it's just like it was the roller coaster of what are you doing today, you know, uh-huh. you know working fishermen at night, making arrests for illegal fishing over the sanctuary line, taking over the limit of stripers, to, you know, it was just. If you looked at some, places, yeah, I worked like. 27 hours, you know, in the last two days, you know, nonstop. And they'd be like, What? You're crazy. And it's like, But you didn't feel like you worked 27 hours. You yeah. were having a blast. Because mm-hmm. there's, I, I worked for a, a local, a large local PD, North Charleston Police Department. I left there to become a game warden. And people are like, So you left this big, you know, Or ur- uh, urban- I right, took a pay cut. Oh, definitely took the pay cut. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they said, You see, what you get the same thrill from working traffic and 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 working drug dealers as watching somebody gigging flounder or catching over the limit of fish. And I'm like, oh yeah, mm. you know, you're, you're hiding in the bushes, you're glassing them with the binoculars and the, that heart's beating just as hard as it was when you were working a high profile case at a large traditional law enforcement agency. So, but it's, you know, it's, I still encourage the kids today. They're like, Oh, what do you do? You know, famous line here is what are you a park ranger? <laughs> oh, oh no! Let me let me explain to you the difference, young man mm. or young lady. And, uh, but it's, uh, you know, but it's a you know. But the best thing is, you know, I call them kids. They went to school with Hunter. They went to school with my two kids, my girls. Is one of them calling me and going, "Hey, Mister Lee, I, I think I want to be a game warden. Can you talk to me about it?" Mm. And and spending the time to explain to them what we do. Yes, that it's a. And I tell him up front, I said, this is a lifestyle. Mm. This is not a job. And, you know, he grew up with that lifestyle of, I'm going to be at your birthday party, but I might have a badge and a gun on. Yep. You, know, you know, I may have to get up in the middle of dinner because a CI called me and I've got to go right now to catch the guy. Mm-hmm. I can't wait till I'm finished eating. Uh, so I tell him, I said, you got to understand, this is, a, this is a lifestyle you're getting into. It is not a job, which I think is difficult. In today's times because so much, you know, conferences like this, you know, you start talking, we all have the same stories, Mm -hmm. different name, same story. We're all facing that same thing. Traditional law enforcement is facing that problem of getting recruitment and retention. So I tell them, I said, this is not, you don't have a shift here. You don't come to work at seven and get off at five or come in at eight and get off at four. You know, you're, you're going to work the best eight out of 24 Or maybe the best 16 out of 24, depending on what's going on. Right. So, you know, the ones that get it truly get it. And they're the ones we're looking to hire and we're trying to bring into the job to keep some of that tradition because you've got to have that type of attitude. Well, I Mm. think a lot has changed. And growing up in it, I have a different
3: view of it. Uh, I'm sure It becomes your identity. You know, I was always known as the game warden's kid, the game warden's son. And Uh I was proud of that. I loved the fact when he would drop me off at school – Big old truck, you know, he'd get out in his green uniform. I was proud of that. And that becomes a part of your family's identity. You're getting these, you know, adults and everyone my age, of course, you call us kids. I know. (laughs) (laughs) But we're coming into this, and a lot of people don't understand that this becomes a part of you and your family. Because your family's going to have to give some sacrifices, but it is what you make it. He showed me, you know, he was at every ball game, every practice, if, hey, I got to come late or I got to cut out early, you know, I got to call. I understood, Mm. and that's okay. But on the family aspect, this is kind of my view, having that support at home, and you might be able to to attest to this, really helps you be the best game where you can be. And that's what my sisters, my mom, we all try to do for you, and I'm now married, almost a year getting there, and I'm blessed in that she has the support of my family, my mother, and him. So when I have to go do that hey, it's okay, he's going to come back. But he also showed me how to be also a part of the family. Mm. But allow
1: this to be a lifestyle. I I, I hollered at him and ingrained it in him, call her, let Mm -hmm. her know. You get caught up in the job. You get caught up in the the fun part of the job or catching the bad guy and you forget to – Hey, send that text and tell yeah. her you're. And okay. Lee,
2: he can. We couldn't. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I was gonna say I have the. <laughs> he had, he has seconds. a cell phone. Yeah, we we, oh, yeah. we would be calling dispatch. Hey, can you give my A unit a call yeah. and, and, <laughs> and let call and let her know I'm going to be let running. Her know, you know? Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so
1: they you know they laugh, but I was like, I remember when we got issued the you know we got issued a, a text pager. Uh-huh. So they'd send you a message from dispatch. <laughs> you couldn't reply. They just sent you, and then mm. you'd have to go look for a payphone, which mm. most of them have no uh, no idea. No idea. I saw one the other day. And yeah, pull out a <laughs> calling card and punch in a forty-seven-digit <sighs> pin God. to make a phone call. To find out what was going on. You know, but it is. It's a. Uh,
2: yeah, we, we went through this whole process. You, you can appreciate it, what we blazed. <laughs> Our first cell phone it. was the size of a lunchbox <laughs> with a with a phone attached to it. That You'd put it on the, the, the top of the truck <laughs> to get a phone call when you needed it there. So oh. you guys just oh. pull out your smartphone. And like cameras, taking pictures of things, you oh. know. No one ever wanted to develop film because it cost money. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Hey, that's enough. You took two yeah. pictures yeah. of that
1: fatality. That's plenty. That's right. You know? <laughs> now Save it's like, those other 14 shots on that roll for the next part. Oh. Now it's like hey you took 30 we need 30 more yes yeah.
2: yes and then you can pick and choose what you <laughs> yeah. want so or, or, or attach them to a digital <laughs> file and they're all there yeah. yeah no it the world has changed in a lot of ways better but you're absolutely right. Uh, it's changing. The job's changing, and I, I hope it doesn't. I'd like to fight it all the way because I don't think it can. I think what's going to happen is people don't accept it as a lifestyle are going to end up getting out of it because you spend your career fighting against mm-hmm. it because it's so much that, you know, you get that tip at home, like you said, you got to go. you you, you just, you just got to go. That's, that's, that's in yeah. your
1: blood. If you don't go, you're not going to care. I, I, uh, I explain it to them like this. We have to be right every time. Mm-hmm. They only got to be right, you know, once mm-hmm. they know when they're going to go out and break the law. We mm-hmm. got to be guessing correctly and be there at that specific time. So mm-hmm. we got to be right every time, right? They don't have to be right every time. That's we're working on their schedule and we don't know what the schedule is. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's well.
3: that cat and mouse game. You just, you do it one time. But you just want to keep on doing it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. You know, I
1: tell them, I say, you're, you're either going to be the hero or the zero. Yeah. <laughs> And, and and he'll get frustrated sitting on bait somewhere, and he's like, "Man, I've been on this bait for three weeks. Hey, you're gonna be the hero to zero, man. Yeah, you know, you ride it out, make the case, or call it quits and go do something else. Go be a ramp ranger and check boats coming in. You know, and he, yeah. I'm not. I'm 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 gonna, I'm gonna stick it out. I'm like, well, that's what you gotta do. Well, you, know? you,
3: you got me through one. You know, I was sitting on some turkey bait. I was in week two, day three at this point. I'm going, hey, man, he's never gonna show up. You know, the season's about the end in two days." He's like, man, just, just stick it out. It's going to be all right. Sure enough, last day, he comes rolling in, two of his buddies. I'm like, and if I would have said, man, he's never going to come. This is a waste. It's a bust. It's a waiting game. But mm-hmm. when it, you know, went off, oh, it was a home run. You know, I was happy. And then he comes back with it. Hey, by the way, you were about to leave, weren't you? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, all right. Old school knows some stuff. Yeah, and it so, gives it
2: gives you a little ammo for the next time you want to leave because remember, yeah. remember what happened? <laughs> Uh, when I wanted to leave, I made that big case. Oh yeah,
3: you're sitting there. It's cold, or you're, you're hot, and you're like, "Ah oh, man, you know, huddle house sounds great right now."
2: Yeah, <laughs> but how good a case is it when you step out of the
3: woods <sighs> after they violate, and you're there?
1: Oh <sighs> yeah,
3: you're there. There's nothing better than sitting behind a tree, and you know the guy's going to set up right there, and you're waiting. Let them get situated, and go, "Hey man," it scares them. Yeah. They don't know what to do. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, no doubt,
2: and that was always my favorite part—is getting close to people. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I've had him <laughs> almost jump out of boats. You know, there's one guy I'm kayaking beside him as he's trolling, and I'm getting tired, and so I, I'm finally I'm like, "Hey, are you gonna are you gonna hold up so I can check you?" I-?
1: And I, he was about jumped out of the boat. You know, <laughs> what was that it's, one? Story? It's the greatest game of cat and mouse you'll ever play. Oh, you know, no. hey, you tag, you're it absolutely you told me a story in Ori where they say man where, where's that lee at i know he's oh right yeah there. well you gotta
3: say that story we later. we had
1: a flounder gigging is a big deal down here so they put lights on their boat and they get a gig and they they stick the the fish as they're laying on the bottom so they you know? they can see the fish all yeah, this, on the bottom okay they got these really bright lights it's almost like the bow fishermen are using that. yeah okay and they get a gig and they they go along and you can see the outline of the flounder mm-hmm. and then they'll stick the fish and the only way to catch them is to be laying up in the bushes, you know, and, and I'm laying there and I was new to the area. I was a new game warden up there. And some of the guys had quit kind of doing what I was doing because they'd been there forever. And, uh, you know, I was hiding in the bushes and laying on the bank and crawling through these bushes following them listening to them talk you know and, and i'm counting you know they're, how many they're sticking because they're going to be over that limit or they're undersized and i could hear them talking about me <laughs> the whole time and i mean it, it, and they weren't fans no no they were not fans and uh, so i follow them all around this point and they come back to the boat land and i, and I let them load the boat up and and i step out of the bushes and scared a fool out of them about like you're saying, you say know, they <laughs> about jump out their skin and then immediately, you know, where's that F and Ellis at? Mm. Is he working tonight? And I, so I'm writing them their tickets. And as I hand it to explainer I say, hey, by the way, look on the bottom of your ticket. And it's got my name on it. You know, where you signed the officer's portion. And they're like, the heads just drop. Or my favorite was always, you know, Lee Ellis, he's a good <laughs> friend of mine. <laughs> okay, yeah, you know, same thing. It's like you know, you know, like, well, this big old nameplate didn't give it away. Yeah. Maybe the bottom of that ticket. Well, you know, yeah.
2: oh, that's, that's, that's. I still
3: get mistaken for you in Berkeley. So they go,
1: "You Lee," I said, "I'm a lot younger than him." That could be. <laughs> but you know, it's it's like they say, you know, and, and I'll, I'll give my Texas brethren. The credit you know they and Lone Star Law they talk about you know hey, everybody knows who your high school football coach and who your Texas game warden is that 's like that in any state mm-hmm. oh yeah, you know there's you know like say we 've got counties with two officers in them and counties with eight officers in them, even if you 're a large county with eight officers assigned to it there's only eight game wardens in the county mm-hmm. where the sheriff might have two hundred sheriff's deputies right. so. You know, I mean, I, I literally, I, I lived in Dorchester County right outside of Charleston mm-hmm. um, in the town of Somerville. Got hired. They moved me, I think it's five counties away, up the coast on the North Carolina line. Only time I'd ever been there was in high school for senior weekend. <laughs> and I, I go up there, I pull into a store, I'm buying a drink and, and some chew, and the guy's like, hey, you're that new saltwater game ward. And I'm like, oof. It was this you know i had just uh, like my second day in the county uh-huh and he's like yeah ellis i'm like this guy knows my name and he's <laughs> he like too. yeah i used to work at north charleston police and i'm like what is going on here i'm you know i don't even live in this this is before yet. google too oh yeah, oh, yeah. You know, this is, yeah.
2: Like, he did his homework i'm yeah. sitting here going it's
1: like how do these people know who i am mm. you know i'm, I'm it's not like I was a, a local PD that got picked up up there, you know, I'm like, mm-hmm. I mean, they, they transferred me across the state. Right. And it's like, then, and they're like, Hey, you know, there's, there's five of us here. They knew you were coming here before you did. Yeah. And it's like, and they, you know, they do their homework. Right. You know? Especially the commercial fishery side, you know, mm-hmm. if you've ever worked those commercial docks, they know everything there is no oh, yeah. about you. you yes. Know? Cool, but spooky at the same time, you know, <laughs> it's like, it's, yeah, you, know, you, you. I guess you take it one or two ways. Oh, wow, I'm a legend already. Mm-hmm. Or you know, <laughs> or what am I getting into? Yeah,
2: what yep. am I getting
1: into? You know? Yeah,
2: no. In this day and age, they Google you. You know. And, oh yeah. And uh, yeah, I went to a 4-H dog event, and uh, this, people started knowing way too much about me. And, yeah. And before the end of it, they were like, "Yeah, we we had to, you know, we creeped you, Wayne. We we wanted to know who you were and what you were doing <laughs> and how you did it, and so because well, I was. Yeah. Getting ready, and they were like, Oh, you just recently retired. And I'm like, I never told anybody that.
3: The creepy parts when you're sitting there ride the ticket, and they go, Man, I didn't know you went to Somerville High School. I'm like, Dude, I don't know you. And then what you don't know is they're sitting there looking, you know, for when right I play baseball, and he's yeah. looking, I'm right like then. he's like, Hey, you were number 16. I'm like, Okay, this is,
2: yeah, my no, next day, I, sir. And, we
1: weren't, and we weren't TV stars like you were. I know,
2: I know, <laughs> but that's the world we live in now. Oh, yeah. oh uh, yeah. When I started this podcast, that's why I started with the local high school. And I'm like, they can probably teach me a lot. And you know what they did? They teach me to Google it. So the girl I started working with, she'd have her phone right there. If I had any questions about anything, she'd just Google it. And I'm like... That's what I learned from her. Google it, Google it, Google it. And I, that's how I, the, the podcasting, that's, that's that's what I'm doing, Googling it. So That's cool. <laughs> no, it, it's definitely a different world from where we started to where Hunter's taking over. We'll see what 20, 20-something years brings for you because you, you're going to be seeing some changes too, I'm sure.
3: For me, you know. I got a different aspect of it, because I got to watch, you know, growing up, mm. seeing all these, you know, everyone you've, that's... You've got to see the first
2: cell yeah. phone he had issued to him, huh? <laughs> the the lunchbox he brought <laughs> the lunch in. lunchbox. like... <laughs> 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 yeah.
1: And he plug it in. sounds like a nuclear thing going off, you know. Mm. Like, why are you putting
3: that by your head, man? Like, yeah, there's got to be something wrong with that. <laughs> but, you know, I grew up watching it, and, you know, I watched these older game wardens, and, you know, I've seen them retire. You see him, you know, progress up in into mm. rank, and... I hear all these old stories, and coming in new, I'm grateful that I get to hear those stories and got to see these guys in the field in their prime. Mm-hmm. But I want to take that and also add some new school to it, yeah. Because I want to keep that heritage. That heritage is like like we talked about earlier is key to being a good game warden. You know, mm-hmm. you got to be able to adapt, but keep your roots. You know, being a fishing game. You know, being out there checking the fishermen, knowing how to hunt, how to fish, and educate. Mm. and I only hope that I can, you know, be as good as a game board and he was and still is. Nope. Well, I was
1: a legend in my own mind. <laughs> you were. <laughs> <laughs> as
3: long as you think that. That's uh, all it matters. No, he's, you know, I, I would never change my childhood for anything. I was so proud. Being there, baseball practice, I'll never forget. Uh, we're at baseball practice. He says, hey, the ball coach, your head coach, and totally says, hey, I'll be right back. So he goes, handles an alligator call, and. Comes back, and, and I knew what he was doing. Of course, we were like 12, 13, and I said, all right, let's all go by my dad's truck. We'll all be right there before we cut loose, and of course, he's got it all taped up. Got an alligator in, an the, back alligator the, in the back of the all truck. All of us, of course, what do we do? I said, hey, y'all jump on the bed of the truck. We all jump on it. That alligator took the tail, slapped
1: the side of it. We went, we were gone like Bam. a bunch of Oh, yeah. yeah there's, uh, uh, there was more than one occasion where I had a, a little lizard in the back of the truck, and where I fact he was playing in in probably little League nine or ten years old, you know, and uh, they came across the the p a there was like four fields that <laughs> formed a diamond, and like uh hey, Mr. game Warden, your alligator just fell out of your truck <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, here Whoops. I go running across the parking lot just and slid over the side of the uh-huh. truck up onto the wheel well and uh-huh. was going over. It's like wow, that's probably not been done here before. <laughs> no.
3: to me that's completely normal. That's a, you know normal hey. Tuesday. Hey, Dad's got a gator in the back. Other mm-hmm. kids is like, whoa, that's awesome. Me, I'm like, eh. That's, that's yeah, Tuesday,
2: yeah, that, that happens on a regular <laughs> basis in my house. Oh my <sighs> goodness! And I don't think it's South Carolina having gators. Actually, <sighs> I, I think they it. like start in Florida, go you know go west. <laughs> but you you guys deal with those on a regular basis, oh, pretty huh?
3: common, pretty yeah. common. You know, I think it was. Probably a week ago, I went and caught a five-footer, took it out of then little pond over in uh, one of our little neighborhoods. You know, you get people coming from mm-hmm. out. I've never seen a gator. It's in my pond or it's in my pool. Okay, I'll come get it for you, and it's another Tuesday. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> Headed over there, let, let dispatch know what's going on. Yeah. and Yeah, we actually have a, a pretty large gator population. We actually have a public hunting season for alligator, and, and then we have a private land season. So, I mean, it's mm. – you know, when you protect them long enough, then they become a nuisance. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they start becoming You're bigger than you. guys for mm-hmm. catching alligators when they're not supposed to because they're protected. Then soon enough, it's like, well, that's a nuisance alligator now. So, well, that was an endangered alligator not long ago. <laughs> You're right. You're
2: right. And, and how do you get an alligator out of a swimming pool? Is there a technique?
3: Uh, I would have to say good rope and wear gloves. Rope yeah. burn hurts. <laughs> <laughs> I told him.
2: So, been. you put a noose over him? So, as you, uh,
3: so, the best thing is you try to get it over the jowls, uh, which is basically a jaw and all. Yeah. Get it over it. Once you get it out of the pool, get a catch pole. They're going to do the death roll. So yeah. You put the catch pole on them. You just let them roll. Eventually, they're going to get tired. So, you would be able to take it. You throw, I usually take like an old t shirt, throw it over their head where they can't see, jump on top, tape them up and all. I don't know how y'all did it back in the day, but that's how we, we wrangled do it. them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Barehanded, we, right? We
1: were old school. We just wrangled them. Yeah. yeah. No, <laughs> no rope involved. No, no. rope involved. Yeah. Barehanded them. Right. Jumped in the pool with them. <laughs> that's why we, wore, we always wore our gloves so that we'd be able to find that finger if they got a hold to it. Oh, them. okay. Well, I got all uh, my. I, I learned early on we used our catch poles, and they're like, do not let go of that catch pole. <laughs> no matter what is happening, don't let go of that catch pole he will beat you to death with that catch pole that comes <laughs> wow. out of your hand because they you know, start rolling. Now yeah. they've got a six-foot-long aluminum pipe to whack you with as they're rolling, not just a tail. So we always had a long, you know, you pull the the cable to tighten it up, and you just let go of the handle and hold the cable and let it spin on that cable until they got tired. You know, mm. But, uh, yeah, it was a, a very, you know, a self-correcting error if you ever let go of that, that steel pole and didn't hang on. <laughs> not admitting, but I may have. That might still pull go one time. Yeah. But, and <laughs> I, I imagine one. it's hard to hold sometimes. <laughs> uh,
3: they get rolling real fast. You're going, okay, he's going to get tired here. And they don't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Eventually, you get too tired.
2: <laughs> yeah. I but got a it's... small bear on a catch pole one time, I'll tell you what. Yeah, I, I uh, thought it was a small bear until he started going every which way. And, yeah, I, I hung haters. on to it. But, man, I was a hurting unit for hanging on to it. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, oh. You
1: keep those bears in New Hampshire. That's, yeah, we'll, we'll keep uh, it the reptiles. We've got our little black bears down here, and they get, you know, two or 300 pounds, but we don't have to deal with them like that. So, yeah. yeah. I'll take that alligator any day.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, to teach its own, you know. We'll play with dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, when it comes to snakes and <laughs> reptiles, I think I'd be okay with gators. Snakes and me just, uh, I don't know if it's nah, a surprise nah. if I know it's there. and yeah, yeah, I've almost stepped on a few myself. I remember I was a park ranger in West Virginia, New River Gorge, and we're walking along the cliffs, and the guy in front of me says, hey, don't step on the snake, Wayne. Yeah, that's the first time I saw a snake in West Virginia, and I was like, <laughs> it's a big old black snake coiled right up there, and I'm like, yikes. So, surprised I didn't jump off into the, oh, to the yeah. cliff, so. I am yeah. not a
1: fan of Mr. No Shoulders at all. No. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah.
3: I inherited that
1: from you. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Well, that's and good that you guys have that. If you're your game anyway. Well, you must have really get into snakes. Oh. No, man, we don't like those snakes. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I don't know what it is. I, like you said, no shoulders, just, you know, I'd be fine with gators, lizards, I'm okay with. It's just something about snakes. Oh, yeah. So, No, I really appreciate you guys taking the time because, uh, yeah, you've had a long day, Lee. You're, you're currently the president of International Wildlife Crime Stoppers.
1: Yeah, I, I think I'm probably the only president that's had to, thanks to COVID, serve uh, 20 more 24 month tour of duty. Yes. Can we get um, a round of applause for you? Bro? Yes. <laughs> That's I, awesome. I appreciate hey, it. But I'll say this, uh, you know, when I, when I got roped into becoming in the chain of command on that as a second vice president, Wayne was president.
0: Oh. and they, they
1: got me while I was eating breakfast and was a newbie to these conferences and said, yep. Hey, wouldn't you like to be the second vice president? No one really told me in you know, three years you have to host the conference. And we do that when they become vice president, we tell them. Kind of (laughs) one of those sink or swim type things. Yes, definitely sink or swim. And he hosted the most amazing conference in in North Conway, New Hampshire. And we went up. uh, Is it the Green Mountains or White Mountains? White Mountains. White Mountains. We went up to the uh, Mount Washington Observatory. Green will be next year yeah that's right vermont just keep rubbing it and, in uh, i didn't get to go we had the greatest time and i was like wow you know and then, your and sisters I, were there yeah i got lots of pictures I yeah. was like, hmm. <laughs> like oh by the way look at
3: everyone we're hanging out with Wayne. You know, all this i'm going I'm like, hey, yeah. this guy's for tv he's cool i'm like uh-huh. Uh-huh. you know it set uh-huh. the bar yeah
1: so uh you know we were getting geared up for 2020 here covid decided mm-hmm. it would take a little hangout and uh Postponed it, and they said, "Well, you know, we've never had to deal with this before, so why don't you uh, just continue for another year?" And I think <laughs> I might have had a concussion, and I said, "Yes, yeah." And uh, so here we are, t- you know, twenty twenty one. We're halfway through the conference. Yeah, you like know, so getting set, better by the hour. You set the bar, so I've done everything in my power to make this a great yeah. conference. It's been know. an awesome conference. You know, I, yeah. I think we we went and toured Clemson University's football wow. athletic facility today. Uh,
2: and, and I didn't that. think I was going to like that. And I loved you it. Loved it. I was about didn't say, yeah, I say, did I did? I loved it.
3: You're kind of fangirling a little bit. Going, yeah, I was. A picture over here. I yeah,
2: was. I was. I, I, I didn't say that. And we're going to have to do a podcast about that because it was. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it was dynamic. It was a lot of leadership, a lot of um, things that I like. Oh yeah that that they instill in their football players, and I hope they instill in their students because that makes them successful, and that makes us. I, I, I see that stuff slipping in our country, and I hope they hold that bar at Clemson because oh, it yeah. was very impressive uh, of everything they do.
1: It's definitely, I'll say, it was a culture I had no clue about Mm. the culture that was over there. And I am a diehard Gamecocks fan, a University of Sacramento Gamecocks. uh, Big state rivalry. Big state Mm. rivalry. After going today and listening to Tracy Sweeney, Dabo's brother, who did a great job with us today, taking us through all the facilities, and again, go back to what you were saying, a lot of leadership talk, Mm. teaching us about the culture of the the, the football program, the the behind-the-scenes. Stuff we can take away. They're going to disown me in game cognition but I, I'm a fan now. Yeah. yeah, I'm a fan of the 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 philosophy, culture, the philosophy, the, the, the loving and the care they're showing these kids. Mm-hmm. I mean it, I left there going, wow, this is this is pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. And and taking what they were saying and taking it back home and working with your guys and your gals and taking that philosophy back to work with you. Yeah. You know, that's great.
2: Yeah. No, I, I thought it was very dynamic, very successful. And I certainly hope to get an opportunity to talk to Tracy on a podcast because I'd I'd like to bring that to the listeners. When I when I have my son listen to podcasts, I'd like to look listen to inspirational things, things that are gonna teach leadership and you know, those types of things. I think of Jocko. I, I like to listen oh, to Jocko. Jocko. And he just, he, he is that, he has that leadership role. He wants you to be a leader too. So he's training you to be a leader in his Every podcast. time I listen
3: to him, I'm like, all right. I need to do something better, and, you know, what can I improve on? Yeah, (laughs) and if you can come away from a podcast
2: like that, he's doing (laughs) a great job. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And when I teach school now, I try to do that inspirational stuff, uh, you know, trying to get that next generation of game warden and, you know, instill the same values that we have talked about today. So I'm going to take
1: some of that Clemson stuff with me. I'm going to tell you, you're doing an amazing job. I remember when we talked about this in, (laughs) I think, Ohio, we were talking about it, and you're like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm going to retire, and I'm going to do a podcast, and I didn't know diddly about podcasts i'm like what is wayne talking about how to do uh, with educating. now i'm listening to you <laughs> while i'm riding to work i got a, about an hour ride into the office and i'm you know it's like well let me pop on you know see what this guy's talking about and, and, and you've had some great guests and great stories and but it's amazing what you've moved into with this. Yeah, no, it's and we need fun. it. We need that. We are our world's worst enemy. Yes. of not promoting yes. what we do and who we are. I agree. And, and thank goodness for you know Maine Warden Service when they started with Northwoods Law, mm-hmm. Florida Fish and Wildlife when they had their show in the beginning back in yeah way Animal back. Planet way back. Mm-hmm. You know the the wardens shows that they've had out west. Um, you know, the, all of this Texas Lone Star Law, New Hampshire, you know, with Northwoods, you know, all that's done is really bring us into the spotlight.
3: Yes, uh, I and totally. Thank agree. goodness
1: because we are world's worst enemy mm-hmm. of not promoting who we are and what we do. Right. I think it
3: goes back to, you know, storytelling. You know, I listen to your podcast all the time and as a new game board, there's nothing better than it's kinda like sitting around a campfire at a at a hunting cabin or a hunt lodge and just listening. You know, you yeah. just sit back listen to all the stories and you learn so much. And in this day and age of being able to do these podcasts, I think it's a great way for, you know, future game wardens and game wardens who are just now getting into it to use it as a great platform to build off of to improve themselves. Mm. You know, we, like you said, we are our worst enemy enemy. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> and in the field, everyone I run into, oh man, I watch you know, Northwoods Law, Lone Star I love that show. And it gets that that ball rolling you can get to talk to them you know it's a good interaction maybe you know i'm a, you're writing a warning or a ticket but in the end they get to learn i've had more people say thank you i learned so much mm-hmm. and i wrote a citation and i'm walking away going man i, I wrote you a, a citation he you for it but he thanked
1: me for it and i'm walking away going what mm-hmm. <laughs> but, that, but that's a successful interaction uh, yeah, yeah. A successful contact when mm-hmm. when someone gets that education, even if they ended up with a citation or a warning or or a verbal, if they thank you afterward, then you did it right. Not just because of what you're doing in the job, but you treated them right. Mm -hmm. And and our colonel is a uh, Colonel Frampton. That's one of his things. Hey, treat them like you would want your mom treated, your sister treated, your brother, Mm -hmm. your grandfather treated. Um, And I think that is one thing that's different than, than traditional law enforcement, is we deal with people in that recreational setting, so we treat them a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. And I think even with all the unrest we've dealt with recently, um, when you see the wardens being called in to deal with, you know, help on that front line, the way we interact with people that are armed, because, you know, that's a... I look at, yes, it's a firearm, but it's a tool of the sport. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we don't always have that guarded bladed feel because we're doing that recreational setting. It does give us the ability to kind of communicate differently. Mm. Even though we got the badge on, we do communicate a little differently. So, Right. There's been many instances. you know, I go
3: to back up a, you know, local PD or something and just me being in there, you know, Oh man, that's the game warden. And just talk to him, Hey man, I, you know, I may not, I'm backing up this other officer, but I may be able to deescalate, you know, mm-hmm. Hey man, I see you got a sticker for Turkey. Where you go Turkey hunting or something like that. They oh. see us in recreation and you could take a situation that you know may be hostile, and just because of who we are and how we interact every day with someone, you know, we're still we're still on edge because we're still law enforcement. You know, right. it's you still got to have that extra edge, but you can deescalate it to a point.
2: You reset their mind when you start yeah. talking oh, yeah. about something they love, mm-hmm. and then then they're not thinking about the problem they yeah. have right there. They're thinking, "Yeah, turkey hunt. Uh, you want to talk about turkey hunt?" I did. You know, then, and that's the whole yeah. thing.
3: You know, I love the local PDs and. They come and back us up all the time. And I've had some, you know, that'll come back me up and that I'm good friends with go, hey, man, how do you approach these types of things? I know how the academy taught us, but how have you adapted? Right. You know, we can show them a few things, verbal Absolutely. judo, different stuff like that, that we use as a good avenue to kind of. It may be a bad situation, but you can turn it into a good start one.
2: Start to relate to people. Yep. And you absolutely take that turkey sticker, you see that, and you start talking turkey hunting, and then they start relating to you as a person, yep. not necessarily. But I feel so bad for those guys in law enforcement because every call usually is mm-hmm. negative, negative, yep. negative. And that's got to weigh on you. It's it can
3: drain on you. You know, I, I talk to a lot of guys because they want to come over. You know, you have these local guys that, you know, maybe they, for us, when I got was hired, you had to have a four-year degree or mm-hmm you know, some law enforcement, some college, and we've changed some of our requirements and all. And some of those guys, you know, they got married, had kids and are in law enforcement. They want to become a game warden Mm. and they get into law enforcement and that constant negativity, it brings them down and down and down. And like, man, how do you stay happy every day? I wake up every day. Go. Do I want to go on my boat? Do I want to go, you know, check deer hunters? I wake up with a smile Mm. because I love my job and I wouldn't trade it for the world. And I know y'all feel the same exact Mm. way. It's, where else can you go, I'm going to go get on a boat today and go check some fishermen. That's right. And be able to have an awesome interaction with someone. Maybe meet a kid who got his first, you know, mm-hmm. in the slot limit striper. You know, he's never caught one before and get to be able to take a photo with him. Yeah. That means a lot to me. Mm-hmm. And growing up, you, me, I always think back to that very first deer and you teaching me tradition and everything like that. And sometimes I get to see that with a father and son or a father and a daughter in the field. And that just... That makes my day so much better. I could have the worst week ever. I see that. That tells me everything. I everything oh, I'm doing now is absolutely. Where I, I'm right where I need to be.
2: And it's the funny thing you say about this podcast. I've had three individuals reach out to me. They've been hired as game wardens across the country, <laughs> and they said, "Wayne, you inspired us to do this, and you encouraged us through your podcast. We learned so much. And for me, th- there's nothing." better than encouraging that next generation yes. so and so much what i did with my children's book too is, is is trying to build that next generation even at a lower you know at that age oh, yeah. six trying to instill that hey i want to be that cowboy in the woods just like <laughs> wayne did and uh yeah you, you guys you guys are on it and i i really enjoy hanging out with both of you it's a pleasure to meet you this time Hunter. i know I mean, i'm glad i was finally yeah. able to meet up with you i yeah, listen to yeah, you it's, so it's, much it's, i'm
3: finally like all right i finally get to meet him and he has to be on the podcast i was like You had a little slip crush on you, Wayne. Yeah, that's that's good. (laughs) That's good. Don't tell
2: him. (laughs) Don't tell him. (laughs) I need a lot more of those crushes out there. (laughs) Uh,
1: He's heard all the stories. It's like, hey, you always go with Wayne and his family and his Mm -hmm. kids and my kids and we always we always ended up eating somewhere. Yeah. As we set up to go together or we just ended up in the same place. So we had mm. definitely had similar tastes. So. Yeah. And now we
2: requests that he goes with, you know, he either wants to go with Chris Simmons in Maine or, oh, yeah. or can we go with Lee? And where's Lee's family? Where are the girls? And it, it's just interesting, you know, that my son, that's what he comes to these things for. Now he, he, he sees your family and he yep. wants to hang out yep. because he, he enjoys hanging out. He enjoys hearing the stories as He's, well. Maybe he'll be a game warden someday. He's not down that road. Maybe he'll go to physical therapy, <laughs> history.
3: Uh, who knows? But he's gonna remember it for the rest of his life. Yeah. I'm tell you right now, he's if speaking from a son of a game warden, he's gonna be very proud of you if he not already is, and there's no more I could say other than being proud. Yeah. Know, this this guy right here beside me. I may look a little younger, a little better, but in the end he's taught me everything I know to be as a man and a game warden and I just hope I'm as good as him. <laughs>
2: Please join me, Game Warden Wayne Saunders, and other Game Wardens on our adventures, protecting wildlife, saving lives, and having fun, all while serving the public and the natural resources of our planet. Listen to the tales and experiences of those who work in the outdoors while being entertained with stories about encounters with poachers, wildlife investigation, murder investigations, near-death experiences, search and rescue missions, wildlife interactions from game wardens around the country and around the world. When I retired, I realized I couldn't let go of that legacy, but rather wanted to share the passion, the commitment, and the stories of those men and women that call themselves game wardens. This is Game Warden, Wayne Saunders.